Do you currently have one-on-one clients and a strong word-of-mouth reputation? Do you have a growing online presence? And are you open to investing time to build a long-term passive income strategy? If yes, then creating an online course could be the perfect next step for your business. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Lisa Kanebi, the Launch Success Coach, about getting an online course off the ground. We're covering the steps involved, ways to structure it, platforms to utilize, and how to grow your audience. There is just so much juicy content in this episode, and I know you're just going to love it. Without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to the Marketing and Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton, health and wellness content coach and copywriter at Right Time Marketing. Today, I am joined by Lisa Kanebi, the Launch Success Coach. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Leanne. Thanks so much for having me on. You're very welcome. Uh, So yeah, Lisa and I met online initially through the Clever Copywriting Community, and then we met in person at last year's CopyCon, which is a copywriting conference, where we bonded via shared accommodation. And I think I think staying with a bunch of fellow copywriters really made the conference, it really added another level. Don't you agree? Yeah, it was absolutely the best thing ever to have shared that house and just all be there in the morning chatting about the day ahead and the day that was before. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And, we, and our paths may have otherwise never crossed because you're based in Perth and I'm in Sydney. So it was, um, yeah, a really good opportunity. I loved it. Yeah, fantastic. But since then, um, you've had a change of direction and that brings us to today's topic. Before we jump in though, I'll just read out your bio so everyone knows who Lisa Kenebi is. So Lisa is a course launch coach who supports women in business to translate their one-on-one services into online courses. Her superpower is bringing clarity to your course creation dreams so you can niche with confidence, scale with passive income, and become a leader in your field. Before finding her sweet spot in coaching, Lisa was a neonatal nurse, very interesting, a teacher and copywriter, so a bit of variety there. And so, yeah, to say she has a restless heart is an understatement, but now she brings this diverse knowledge to help her clients create authentic problem. Uh, Problems, not problems, programs, programs, not problems that their students love. When she's not working from her home office in sunny Perth, you'll find her sleeping under the stars in a swag, cooking up a storm in the kitchen or playing cards with her family. Awesome stuff. Yes, great variety of of careers there. Yeah, and who'd have thought they'd have all come together in one place? I never anticipated that. Well, the teacher part, yeah, that's kind of come back to play and you're writing with the course content. I don't know if the neonatal stuff comes in anywhere, but um, you're giving birth to, to new courses all the time That's that's, and you're delivering, I don't know, I'm sure something yeah. there. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been really excited to hear your thoughts today because uh, I admit, you know, I'm planning to launch a course in the second part of the year. I have no idea what that looks like yet, so I'm going to probably need your guidance on that. 
But yeah, would you like to share a bit about your business journey with your, your recent venture and what you do? Yeah, sure. So that, you know, how we've come to course creation is really from that teaching background, I always um, found that sort of structuring learning, making it fun and engaging, getting great outcomes for students was something I love to do. But I, I left teaching and to move into copywriting in my own business. And in that then, of course, learned the skills of how to actually position things for sale to make people want to move into an action and, and buy the things we create. And since then, I've worked with a lot of other course creators and launchers who have really enabled me to hone my skills and helping them seeing how to launch their courses and then thinking about the process before they come to me when they're actually in the course creation phase. Because, I mean, my expertise is in that teaching space, but one of the things I'm seeing is that the course creation market is becoming more crowded, which means the product you create has to be more impressive, more successful for your students, and really just more student-centric. So I think going back a few years, people were selling online courses and they were really quite skinny, if you know what I mean. The promise they made were often under-delivered on and the completion rates for students are really low. Whereas now when you've got such a competitive market or a growing market that is getting more competitive, you need to really concentrate on the quality of the course you create. So hence I've stepped, sort of taken two steps back and gone to where we start with a course, how to take your one-to-one services online And then obviously I do work with people through into the launching phase as well, because usually once we've established their their course, we've got that trust and we work together to bring it to market as well. So yeah, that's pretty much how I've arrived here today. And it is very true that it seems crowded. I feel like everyone's talking about online courses, which I admit puts a bit of fear in me because I'm like, oh, but how do I stand out? (laughs) But yeah, what what are the steps involved in, in creating an online course? I think the first thing is really what you said is, I don't know what that course would look like Mm. yet. And that's often, we we know we've got something of value to offer, but we don't really know how to actually create that into a course. So that's really that first step is discover, discover what course it is you need to create. And so in your one-to-one service, you're going to have a vast range of skills, especially if you're in a health and wellness profession, because often you've trained in multiple modalities. And in your clinic rooms, you offer those different modalities depending on the needs of an individual client. So when you're faced with thinking about how do I actually translate that into a specific course, do I bring it all in? Do I just take a look at one aspect? And that's the first step, that discover step. And that often then will define all of the rest, basically. So spending time there, and an example I have is um, one of the ladies I've worked with is an acupuncturist, and she'll now, although she works across a range of different health issues, she's focusing on acupuncture for fertility. So she's taken a little slice, you know, like you think of your business as a cake, just taking a little slice of that and really narrowing your focus because your course just needs to serve one specific market with one specific outcome. And that's really for you, you know, as a copywriter, you're looking at what do I love? What do I do really well? What do my clients really benefit from? What little slice of my business can I teach in this course? Because that's not the only time people will learn with you, 
they'll come, you know, when I said I help you create the course, but then you're going to want to know how to launch it. So we're going to continue a journey together. So even though it feels like you're just giving them a slice, eventually they'll probably eat at least half your cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sort of You'd be very satisfied no. instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a raw cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that yeah. was step one, really. And is that, that so you'd have to do a bit of research, wouldn't you? Ask around what specific slice people be interested in eating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, and it, I often actually start initially with you. So often marketing, we're told we start with our ideal clients and what they want. But I think it's really important to start with the knowledge base that you've got and the skills and passions that you have. Because when you're going to create a course, you're going to immerse yourself in content. And as a teacher, if you're not passionate about what you're teaching, it really comes across. So if it feels a bit humdrum, and if you're talking to an audience, that you don't really feel passionate and connected to, your teaching really suffers as well as their learning. So we want to make sure we start with you and, and what are you most passionate about? So I have a little exercise I take people through when I, I say, first of all, what are you really passionate about? Just brainstorm everything. And so even in my bio, you heard me saying about camping, cooking, teaching, all those different things. Now, I could probably create a course on camping. I could probably create a course on cooking. But We've got to then think around what is the thing that I can best serve my audience with. So what do my audience need and where am I best qualified to actually serve them? So maybe I've, you know, I've cooked a few meals and then I think I can teach people about that. So that doesn't necessarily make me the best teacher. So it's around knowing that you're credible and that you have got more experience in this field than the people you're going to be teaching. And so that's the second piece of the puzzle. And then the third piece of the puzzle is thinking about what do I want to be known for? So I've never aspired to be known for my culinary skills. <laughs> I just like to throw things around and make stuff up. But I do want to be known as a leader in education, especially online education and communication. So that aligns with that sense of, okay, I have the qualifications in that teaching and experience in launching. I love this field. I'm very passionate about it. I've niched into um, helping women in business, particularly women in wellness, health and healing. So that helps me to then think, okay, these ducks are all lining up in a row. So this is a good space for me to choose to operate in. And that's where, you know, that's really that first start. Once you've identified that, which is really the going inwards part, then it's time to come outwards and think about, I need to now understand what my audience need, who are my ideal clients, what are their needs? How, what do they feel about learning? What, what's the problem I can solve with this course? And then move into the sort of gathering evidence and market research phase, which is, sits in that sort of validating your course idea, ideally with some, you know, direct communication with your potential students. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm already, you're giving me some clarity for myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good. This is good. Yeah. So how are there, are there any other steps you wanted to cover before we go on? Yeah. So there's four steps. Yep. So that's really step one. Yeah. And this takes time. So we often think we'll create an online course and we just want to get it done because we're excited. But I think one of the biggest messages is take time to do step one really well, because that makes everything else so much flowing so much easier. So step two then is mapping. So you now know what course you want to teach who you want to teach it to, and you've touched base with the audience and you've got your validation stuff underway. In step two, we're then going to think of your course as a journey. So journey you're taking together and any journey has a start point 
and a finish point and an end destination. And if you imagine, you know, a journey where we've got landmarks or sightseeing on the way, that element is the curriculum. So we think, okay, where are our students going to start? Where do I want to take them? And defining that end goal is so vital. And often I, we start with the end goal. So define where they're going. Then think about where they are at the beginning of the journey, so how they're arriving, and think about then the building blocks that need to go in between to take them to that end goal. Um, and that's where we tend to, so mapping is that, sort of literally mapping the journey, and you'll often then start to put, sort of empty your head in terms of content, what do I think they need? From there, we're then going to start simplifying, because we have a tendency to want to see our students as like little empty vessels, like pots that we can fill with our knowledge and we just pour it on Too them. much at once, yes, yes. And if you've consumed online courses yourself, often that is the case. People are just pouring information at you. Um, you know, they'll, they'll advertise, you know, 39 hours of learning units. And when I see that, I'm just like, oh, my goodness, that does not inspire me. That actually, well, I know I'll lose the plot halfway through and fall off the wagon. <laughs> so we want to make sure we have the minimum amount of core learning units that people need to achieve the outcome, but also tailor some of our work so that we've got some hungry, driven students who are always going to go above and beyond, um, that we've got extra units of information that can extend them. So no one feels they ever get left behind, whilst people that want more have got more depth that they can go to. So that's in the mapping phase. So it's quite a, um, that's really where that teaching knowledge really beds in around how we build out curriculum for success. So step three then is where the copywriting aspect really comes into play, because step three is all about um, creating connection. So Often at this point, we want to just jump in and create the course. So we want to get recording and start doing our stuff. But I want people to pause at this point because you've got all the pieces that you need on the puzzle. You know what your course you're creating. You know your idle client. You've validated the idea. You've mapped your curriculum and you know where you're going. Now we need to start building a visibility strategy so that people will know they're going to take that journey with you. They're getting ready for it. So when we book a holiday... We think about that holiday maybe six to 12 months in advance. We're thinking, where should we go next year? What should we do? So if we're imagining this is the holiday that people are taking, we want them to start seeing our course as a potential opportunity to join. Maybe six months, we're starting that conversation. So that visibility plan happens where we start to really connect with our audience way before our course is even ready for launch. And hopefully during that phase, if we've got capacity, because this is quite a busy time, um, we also start our list building activities. So that's you know one of those areas that we want to focus on. What what could we do to build our email list? And then so the you, sorry, Lisa, just on that. Sorry. Um. So are you recommending like six to twelve months before launching a course, you need to be visible? Yes, because one of the things now this that can sound really daunting, and it goes against the grain a little bit because there's a lot of um, for you know courses and promises out there that you know 30 days to build your online course. So you can build an online course in 30 days, but if you haven't got a good a sustained online presence, you're going to really struggle to have an audience to launch to. So 
if you already have, if you're highly visible online and you've got a really great following across your social channels, you've got a highly engaged list of over a thousand people, then chances are you can create and launch that course way quicker. So it's much more accelerated. But if you've only got, say, you know, if you've not been focusing on list building, you're just serving clients, which is most of the time in those first few years of business, that's what we're doing. We're really busy building our client base up. We don't have a huge email list and we don't have a massive online presence. That's one of our top priorities. Once we've got clarity on what course we're creating, let's start getting out there and connecting consciously with a view that we want to teach those people later down the track. So, yeah, that's... that's um. Definitely what I've seen in terms of um, clients I've worked with who didn't have a big list or big following struggled in the launch phase um, and, unless we did that early. And that makes and that's sense. Why, I mean, because it's all about building building trust, you know, and so if people see you a lot more often, they know who you are, they've seen your messages and some other tips and things that you've provided uh, and then, yeah, they're more willing to jump on board with a course rather than who's this person that have come from nowhere, nowhere, why should I trust them to and, and invest in them? Yes, exactly. And there are lots of choices um, for different courses and, and in a similar niche to you. So you're always going to um, want to have built that, that sort of trusted relationship first. Uh, and people, the other thing you can do in that visibility phase is where you're actually anticipating where you're going. So you can, there's no reason you can't have a waitlist page up for your course well in advance of that course being built. So we start to talk about this pathway to work with us. We're anticipating the sorts of conversations we want to have. And um, then we can, you know, have a place where if people are interested and excited by that, then we've got a place for people to capture their interest and, and be sort of with us on the journey. So, yeah, so that's step three. And then step four is create. So this is where you actually sort of roll up sleeves and get your hands dirty and um, actually create your course. So you, you do the bits, you're creating the resources, you're choosing your learning management system, the delivery system, and um, you're actually doing all the stuff. So then you've, your course at the end of those four steps is ready to market. And then we go into, and we're not going to necessarily talk about this right now, but once we've got that, it doesn't stop there. We need to then think about how do we take the course to market because now we have a product ready. Um, there have been a few, there are a few opinions around do you need to create the whole course before taking it to market? And that's a really valid question. Um, and I think that's a, a big one around knowing yourself and knowing how you function energetically because when you take your course to market with only maybe 20% actually created, you can get out there quicker. Plus, you haven't invested heaps of time creating something before you've tested it with an actual sales strategy. But when you've sold it, you then need to build in time to complete the rest. And that can put you under a lot of pressure. I can imagine. So, yeah. And so I think that's where you really need to know yourself. If you're someone who suffers burnout and really needs calm and balance, working in that way is probably going to uh, be detrimental to you. Whereas if you're someone who thrives on that adrenaline of I've sold it, I'm on a high, now I've got three weeks. Um, I met someone recently who again created her whole course in three weeks flat after selling it. So it works for some people and not others. Yeah, I have heard that. Uh, I mean, I, when I've done a webinar before, you know, 
from oh no, it was, it was for a conference which we end up didn't didn't run, didn't run in the end but it was all about yeah trying to get that interest and thankfully we didn't put all the effort in because there was no uptake and that was a good learning from a few years ago but I think it is very I mean I personally would probably yeah do a bit of it put out to market but I mean what what do you think in terms of launch date put out to market you could say that it starts in three weeks time a month's time. You probably don't want to say more than a month's time or people will lose momentum. Is that right? Yeah, I would say um, if you, when you sell it and you say the course doors open in three weeks, that gives you three weeks from close of cart to actually um, commencing. What you could do is have a few um, preparatory units. So they are quite often it's easy for us to think of, right, what would we ideally like them to be doing in the interim? So if we gave people maybe just sort of the introduction and maybe one or two things to do, that might be getting clear on a vision statement or, you know, whatever it is relevant to where we're going that would give people something to do you open maybe your Facebook group so people start communicating and sharing so you could use that time to build community and then get cracking on the course creation um I think you could also go a little halfway house which is probably where I'd sit is maybe create 25% of the course 30% say um then you've got week a few weeks up your sleeve so you can open your doors maybe week what depending on how you're delivering assuming we're going to drip it out week by week week one and two and possibly week three is done so you've then bought yourself three weeks to create just three weeks worth of content say rather than six weeks so I think that could be quite a nice little um, middle ground hmm, I like that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's true like if you have um yeah so you see it's three weeks to launch and then it launches, but you've already got those three weeks. So yeah, then you've got those. You could you could always be a couple of weeks behind <laughs> in building content. So you could be like finishing the content three weeks before yes. it finishes, or depending how long the course is. Yeah. So and I launched um, a live round of my course last year, and I again decided I'd have. Um, week one content was done, ready to go, but then I was going to deliver everything else live. But um. That was a really interesting experience because when you're delivering live, you've got all sorts of variables going on in, in the home environment. You haven't necessarily got the right, you know, to get a time every week that it, um, you've got this quiet space. So I ended up deciding that I was going to pre-record. So that was a really, that was an on-course decision where I sort of let my client, let the participants know that actually I'm going to record the units so they're ready for you at that time that was going to be live and I'll be available for some questions. But um, that gave me a bit more control over the environment and especially if you've got children at home that's quite and dogs <laughs> quite important <laughs> any noisy creature yes <laughs> husbands yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes like I yeah I want I did want to ask you about whether pre-recorded or live is best so I'm guess you're saying recorded is a better option just to give you that control yeah, I certainly I thought I'd love live because I do I do love being live in person and just going with the flow. But the idea as well with a live delivery is that you're going to then record it and use it at a later date as your record pre-recorded delivery. So it, it's you're not just keep repeating your work. So if your course has a can be is a repeatable thing that you can teach and then record and then have it saved and ready to deliver again. Um, then it makes sense to uh, 
use that time when you've got that peace and quiet. You can set up the environment to be right. Also, you're in a really good headspace. And so, yeah, the other thing I did is I broke mine down. I like to break things down into lots of little lessons. So like with blog posts, you know, we sort of have one blog post, one I one idea that we develop. I think our lessons need to be similar because when you do a live, you do an hour's teaching on multiple elements, it's quite complex then to go back and section that up. So I then decided, no, I'm going to break these lessons down. Instead of one hour, there'll be like 15 to 20 minute individual lessons and there might be three of them. So then you can dip in in a half an hour, watch a lesson, do 10 minutes of work on your course and keep moving forward. Whereas an hour is a big ask in a busy day. Yeah, I, I know I've found it hard to allocate, oh, there's that cool one hour webinar I want to tune into and it's to feel that whole hour. Whereas if you've like, oh, I'm in between projects, uh, oh, I can, I've got 15 minutes, so I can do a bit of that now. If you still feel productive, but kind of a palate cleanser for the next project <laughs> as well. Um, and yeah, so, okay, well, I do want to ask you about structure. Um, I've done somewhere there's, you know, yeah, the short little videos, um, there's a Facebook element. Um, there's some, you know, downloadable. How do you recommend someone structures their online course? So it's, it's very much horses for courses in terms of um, no one size fits all. But I do think that we can bring some sort of um, understanding of how learners learn to what we offer. So, and that to me is the most sort of, you know, ultimately we're all about the learner getting the best outcome. And because we've got different styles of learning, we've got our, you know, our visual learners and we've got our doing learners. We've got people that are book learners. So they like to learn through reading. So we want to try and cater to multiple learning styles. So I think that having a video component helps us to have our visual and our auditory ticking that box. So people can listen and they can watch um, it really helps to then have some written resources so that people who like to read a lot of people like to watch and do so they'll print out a workbook now your workbook doesn't have to be filled with content it just needs to be filled with gaps where they can create the content for themselves so if you if you have that set up that means you've got your kinesthetic learners who are doing while they're listening and watching um, so I do think personally that we want to include a video element, a workbook element where possible, and um, also just structuring things with small amounts of text and visuals wherever we can so that we're simplifying information. Um, and instead of that pot-filling approach to tell everybody everything, the hard one of the hardest things, even as a teacher in a classroom or a teacher online, is to leave gaps so the, the gaps that you leave for others to fill um, are the things that make the learning connections happen. So leaving gaps, so you'll probably start structuring your content with everything you want to tell them. And then you need to go back and think, okay, where could they make the connection for this? Where could I encourage them to do this activity so that that's them having an internal change? And those are the things where we feel really like, oh, bingo, I've just got clarity because not because we were told but because we found it inside us so it's leaving those gaps yeah so the gaps to kind of do the bit of research themselves or something like if it uh, was a certain topic and you said oh how about here are some resources you can read through um, and see what other people are doing blah blah okay mm. just for thinking out loud there so yeah 
Yeah, so with the each session, you really need to have a, a real key focus, don't you? So don't cram too much into a module um, mm. and just really, I think that can be hard, can't it? Like you said before, you want to put a lot into it, but really need to get one point hundred percent so they get clarity on that hundred percent so they can move on with a full understanding yeah absolutely and I, I use a mapping system so that we start with an outcome so we start with a learning outcome and um, obviously at this point we have decided how long our course is going to be and um, how so say we're going to go six weeks we want six pieces of content each week or six units each week or maybe we're going to go eight weeks so after doing mine last year I did six weeks volumes of content and we we all just I knew straight away by week five or oh, when this is too much so this time it's eight weeks less content do it really well um, and we're gonna well, there's only four pillars in the course which are the pillars we're talking about today which discover map connect create we're going to spend two weeks in each pillar and I'm aiming to have no more than four core lessons um, for two weeks which means there's two lessons a week for you to go through which means it's highly achievable but then there's also a bunch of extension stuff or bonus stuff that if you're racing through because you've cleared your schedule and you've got time then that's all there for you to go to the next level so people get very and I don't know you probably relate to this, this yourself when we feel left behind we get really demoralized we give up completely and we just sort of walk away so it's keeping people in that sense of they're engaged and they're on track and if they choose not to do the extension work or the bonus work they don't feel bad because it's in the bonus category not the essential category so I think that really helps as well that, that's probably where the Facebook group idea would come into it because everyone can engage and you can keep connected rather than just they get a new email in their inbox and feel bad. Oh, I haven't done the last two weeks yet. Uh, so in the Facebook group, you can keep them going and remind them it's okay for everyone to work at their own pace and just keep connected that way. Mm. And that really builds community because the other aspect that we don't have when we're in online versus in person is you know human beings are social creatures and they learn really well when we can create connections together and so if ideas ever, around yeah yeah exactly in a workshop often you'll do a, like a pairing activity uh, you sort of say or oh, brainstorm x y and z and people go blank if they're on their own and suddenly in a pair all the ideas come flowing out so we want to try and recreate that collaboration and in the facebook group is one way to do it but also um, if you include a group coaching component so these are almost like hybrid courses so instead of being a self-paced um, deliverable that you don't have to be part of this then brings it back into you have quite a big part of what's going on because you're going to host maybe a group coaching call once a week and that's where you can really start to give some individual advice but also create those connections and accountability and people will say I'm feeling really overwhelmed or I'm, I'm struggling to keep up and then you can give them a new strategy okay so you only need to do this and this and you're already ahead and sort of you know reassure them and that's usually done via zoom yeah that's the platform I use I find that just very very simple and um, you know people are really familiar with zoom uh, it does when you're having multiple people on for group coaching you will need to go to the paid version um, but again it's a, a small cost um, for you versus a massive gain for your students and often that will be when we're talking about that competitive market and we're students are weighing up 
self-paced um, delivery versus group coaching included in a Facebook group, they know they're going to be more successful with that element. So you can obviously charge slightly more premium prices because you've added that element in as well. Yeah, very true. And so, okay, apart from like Zoom, uh, we need an actual platform for the course. So what platforms do you recommend for that? So it's interesting. I always let my course creators know that we can look at, we want to look at what is the minimum viable product that we how we can deliver. So I know course creators that are literally delivering with a um, private YouTube channel, an email and a Facebook group. So they're not paying for anything at all, but they've got a community-based platform on Facebook. They've got a video delivery system on YouTube and then they've got email. And obviously that, you know, they, those email elements could be automated, but in general, that's like that minimum viable. The other way to do that is I've got another course creator who is delivering entirely through Facebook and email. So she'll go into the Facebook group and do a live each week, or she'll upload a pre-recorded piece of content. And, um, your lesson is in the Facebook group and Facebook groups are enabling us to put units in. So Facebook's responding now to this sort of as we're doing more learning online in Facebook itself, groups can establish these units. So there's unit one, unit two, unit three. So you've got a free platform where you can have video uploads. Then you could go live in there without Zoom with a um, Facebook live. You don't have that interaction. I think people are having to talk to you through the chat box but nevertheless you are answering questions in real time so that's like that minimum viable option and it can be a nice way to start because why invest heaps of money if you haven't tried and tested the idea every time you relaunch you can upgrade a little bit and upgrade again so you've got this potential to start really small without huge investment um where i sit now one of the platforms i really love is teachable so I've been working with Teachable for over a year now and I've seen clients working with that and that's where I was first introduced to you know the platform. I explored it on the free version and um, decided that after running my course on that last year, I would then upgrade to their paid version. So every year, a couple of times a year, they'll do some amazing offers and that's when it's worth you know, subscribing <laughs> and getting in on some of their best deals. <laughs> but um they, what I like about Teachable is that I, I do all my recording um, on Zoom at home. So I just, like I am today with the headset, I have a, a set of slides usually. And um, you can see my face in the corner, like when you're doing a sh screen share. I record my video units there. And then in Teachable, they just upload into some really nicely laid out, um, simple to use systems. So you can as a student, you can go in and you can see, right, okay, we're in the discover pillar. I can see there's four lessons, there's four workbooks, then there's some bonus elements. And they can see that really clearly. And they can also tick off when they've finished. You can have a quiz at the end. They can leave a comment. So there's lots of functionality. And within Teachable, then you've also got your sales page and your payment integration portal. I was so going to ask about payment. Yeah. So if you were just to do a simple Facebook or email thing, uh, is it just you invoice people? I feel like you still need to have a, a cart or something for people to feel like it's legitimate. Yeah. And it does feel a bit clunky. Um, it's, it's that element that p people start to think, oh, what's, 
how professional is this? Um, so when I launched my beta round of the course, I actually didn't set up a payment gateway at that point, but I found that people, and again, people that bought from me were already in my circle. They were that audience that had grown with me over the previous 12 months. And so there was a high level of trust. And so they basically signed up for the course on a sales page. They got a confirmation email which delivered an invoice. And that invoice then was due for payment. But that's not um, a particularly sophisticated system. So if you think your audience don't are not really well known to you, they're not existing clients, um, then I think that would be that would probably really do you a disservice. Um, one of the ways to get work around this, so with Teachable, it's the paid version that gives you the option to create the payment integration on your sales page. The other thing you could do is use something like lead pages. Um, so you could lead pages also obviously is a paid program, but that will allow you to create some beautiful landing pages and thank you pages. You can create your sales page on there. And with their mid plan version, again, you can have the payment integration. So with that, you can upgrade to the middle version plan for the say, two months that you're going to be launching or prep preparing and then go back down to the basic plan. So instead of paying that full price, because you don't need your sales page open with payment integration if you're going to do an open and close cart. So that would allow you to just have a short period of higher expenditure, get your payment integration. Um, and I, I find lead pages is great. Of course, the final option is on your own website. So if you've got a bit of tech ability and you're, you don't find that stuff tricky, then you can have a cart um, system on your website, have the course advertised, and there are plenty of plugins for WordPress that allow you to host all your content on your website too. So I think ultimately that's an awesome option and um, you just do need to have your, either your techie or you've got some good tech support to enable that to be possible. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really good. Yeah. I, I've been meaning to look into lead pages actually. I've heard good things. Um, I agree because it needs to look, needs to look professional. Uh, I, if you were just testing with people that you know, then invoicing would be an issue. But otherwise, if you're driving lots of people to something, you want it to be, yeah, schmick and slick. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that you'll have so many, you know, if people don't, if they don't have to pay straight away or commit something straight away, the drop-off rate is going to be huge. So I think, like you say, for a small beta testing round um, with rel relatively a warm audience, then you could probably do that minimum. But I, I really do think that um, when we're looking at putting that much effort and time into creating our course, we need to just go that next level. And it's a small cost for a short period of time. Yeah, I agree. So with the building an audience thing, uh, apart from being visible, I mean, you want to build your list, you want to build those connections. What are your tips around that? I think one of the biggest um, factors in online course sales is your email list because although our social visibility is really important and that confirms to people that we're credible and we know what we're talking about and we're visible and present all the time in that in that area. But um, on our list is where we start to build really good relationships. So email marketing is really just such a vital component, but it's something we're often sort of shy away from 
so many people feel like, first of all, I don't even know who'd want to be on my list. And secondly, I wouldn't even know what to say to them. And people are overloaded with emails. So why would they want to hear from me? So all of those doubts around email. But when it comes to selling your course, most of your sales will come through email. So even if you did a webinar or a five-day challenge, you would be following that up with an email sequence that helps people make that final decision. And it's the email sequence that brings people over the line, not the webinar. So often on the day, you might sort of do your webinar, share the offer, you know, share your link to your sales page. One or two people may jump on because they're those excited, impulsive types that just know they want it and they're in already. But then everyone else sits and mulls. Probably, you know, I certainly mull. I, I look at a course and I think, do I really want it because I want this one and this one as well? which is going to win in the battle of, you know, what's going to get my piece of time and and investment this time. And it's often the email communication that makes, helps me to think through that decision. And you'll see most sales occur in those last, even the last 24 hours or before cart closes. And that's when you often as a launcher get the wobbles because it's, you know, oh, I've launched and the doors have been open seven days and I've only had one sale. It's like, okay, breathe, high vibes, positive thinking, keep showing up, it will come good. And oh, you know, and if not, it's a lesson and we do better next time. Yeah, that's very true. And so with if you were to do like the webinar or the five-day challenge or whatever, when should you do that before announcing the online course or launching so the online course? So all of that becomes part of your launch strategy. So say we've come to uh, we've done our four steps and you've got your course. So we're going to say you've created 30% of your course and then you're ready to look at launch strategy. So you'll think, where are my audience? What currently, how big is my list? How much longer do I need to grow my list to have a good attempt at launching with a good size list? And you might decide at that point that you want to accelerate your list building period and you might put some Facebook ads to a lead magnet say for example and you might do that for say three to six weeks and really accelerate that period in that three to six weeks you're planning your launch so you've got your strategy which is around do I want to do a webinar launch do I want to do a five-day challenge launch we're then getting the sales page written then we're getting those sales email sequences that are going to follow written and then we're thinking well you know what's my webinar going to be on how will I bring people so there's several different pieces and lots of moving parts so that's why I think the course creation sits here and then the launch sits on the other side of that because you need some space and energy then to be in launch mode so when you're doing your webinar the day you do your webinar is the day your car opens. So car opens, you do your webinar and then, you know, here's what I've got to offer to solve this problem that we've just discussed. Here's the link to the information page. Car is officially open. And usually leave car open for about 14 days. Everyone that signed up for the webinar will either watch it on the replay, hopefully, or watch it live. And then they'll receive your emails that follow that. And then cart closes. So the actual sort of launch period can be quite lengthy because you've got pre-launch build-up, which is your building your email list, becoming very visible, building excitement. Then you've got the actual cart open phase where you've got the challenge or you've got the webinar. Then you've got the 14-day period where you're staying really, and that's probably the most critical phase to stay really positive and in that really abundant mindset of serving your community so that you don't get deflated which is your energy is starting to drop because you've been on it for a while <laughs> a long time a long time lots of elements yeah. working hard <laughs> yeah yeah 
And so when it comes to like pricing it, I know that's, you know, as a copywriter, we always have that issue and probably any type of business, you have that same issue. But with an online course, how do you price it so it doesn't scare people off, but you still, they still see the value in it? Mm. That is a really interesting question because it really does depend across industry niches. So when people are, if you're selling to entrepreneurs and solopreneurs who are investing in something that will give them a direct return on their business. So anything to do with marketing, where they're going to make money, you know, anything that's going to actually give them that return, it's easier for them to justify the spend. But say we're looking at, you know, relationship coaching. Now, depending on how significant the pain point is for us, depends on how much we're willing to invest in a program based on that. So often it's all about that priorities. What's the priority? And then of course, what's the market tolerance, the price tolerance for this type of work? Are you heavily saturated? Are there big competitors? What are your market used to? So there's so many factors that go into this. But one of the things that I've seen a really successful strategy with one of my recent course creators is that she just felt she, you know, price can really intimidate us. And we feel like I need to, you know, this is a big course and I'm including group coaching and I must put it at 997, but I'm afraid no one will buy. And then am I just getting sucked into a fear mindset and and we go into a pit and we don't do anything. So what she just said is action is more important than perfection. And I'm going to put my course out at an initial first launch price, which is way cheaper than it should be. And in fact, then I'm going to pre-sale it for 10 days to anyone on the wait list. So anyone on the wait list then got that course at half price and it's already going out at an amazing value because it's her first launch. Now that's not everybody's strategy to do a pre-sale but for her then by the time she actually got to official car open she'd already sold 10 courses. So she's already in real high vibe space and she'd only sold 10 courses to the people that have been on the wait list. So that little loyal tribe that had been building up. So that was an interesting one because she got over any intimidation. And next time when the course launches, that price will probably, I'd say, go up by at least a third. But some people just double. They go out low, then they double. Because really the key to it is don't go backwards in price, just keep going forwards. And I think that then takes that fear away of how to price because you do it once and then you can just change it, tweak it. Yeah. Oh, I've re- yeah, that's that's really good advice. And it's, it's true. You start somewhere and yeah, if you get a few signups for a low rate and you know the interest is there, it gives you the confidence next time to go higher, higher. As the demand increases, you increase the rate and mm. people expect that these days anyway. So you can even, that can be a bit of a sales technique to say, oh, Last chance at this price, it's going to go up $200 next time or something and might yeah. get more <laughs> buy And that price, sometimes, you know, that low price is only a low, a low price for you. But so, for example, I've seen a course created recently, open an email marketing course. It's the first time she's done it in this space, although she's got a great reputation elsewhere in the same field. And it's going out at um, a low rate, which is at that sort of um, 997 price point because that's where she's already sitting. So that's low for her rates. So when it goes out again, it will be at the $2,000 price point or something like that. So you can see that often we're already got it, we're commanding a reputation with price and we can then continue commanding that level. But pricing is, it's one that you really have to sort of think carefully about Think about what you're going to feel really comfortable and happy with and know that it's never set in stone. You can constantly increase. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your advice today. The time has just flown by. 
Uh, so how, how can people connect with you? It would be awesome for people to connect with me on Facebook and Instagram and um, over on my website, which is www.lisakanibi.com. Now, spelling-wise, I think you're going to put that in the show notes because Kanibi is never easy to spell. <laughs> yes, I will put it all in the show notes. And finally, how do you manage your health and wellness? Love your questions. So I tend to have to be really conscious about slowing down because I'm quite an excitable person and I like to just get on and and I love to live on my nerves a bit. I like that feeling of adrenaline and being fast paced. So it's taken me a while to realize that when I use up too much nervous energy in my business, getting excited and, and doing things at top speed, I really suffer. Either I get sick or I just get really depleted and I don't have that creativity that I need to bring every day. So I've started making a conscious morning routine around tapping and journaling. I found that really helpful. And so I have half an hour every morning where I just come into the room and I'm nobody's, it's my time, kind of nobody else has that time, it's mine. And um, I'll either do some journaling or some tapping or sometimes just some, you know, breathing exercises. But I tend to find I'm better at doing rather than just meditating. I find that I'm a bit too restless for that. But, um, and then working out and watching my eating, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, I'm eating a ketogenic diet. Um, so I work hard in that space as well. And that seems to keep everything balanced. And just to confirm, so tapping, is that the tapping on your forehead thing? Yeah. So negative um, emotions, energy. Yeah. Yeah. So emotional freedom technique. And, um, so I've recently taken a course in that not to do for others, but for do for myself. And, um, it's a really interesting and, you know, some quite good evidence, clinical trials coming out of how that impacts, you know, their long-term goals. So you're often associating a behavior with an emotion. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff online. I started looking up on YouTube, just, you know, say fear of failure or, you know, anxiety or whatever it was that you think is bothering you at the time. And I find often journaling will help me identify the emotion that's actually underlying what's going on. Then I'll look for a tapping video that will help me deal with that. So, you know, I've then gone on and paid for a course to go a little bit deeper into the tapping and understand how to set up, rather than relying on other people's videos, how to set up my own tapping statements and work with that more effectively. So, yeah, I've really found that very useful. Yeah, very cool. I'll I'll look into that. Yeah. yeah, Thank you for your time today, Lisa. And and thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in. You can find show notes for the episode at marketingandme.com.au. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating and review on iTunes. I'd also love you to join the Marketing and Me podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and discuss recent episodes with other listeners. If you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton. And if you want to outsource your content marketing or learn how to write it yourself, head to my website, righttimemarketing.com.au. And until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth.